This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold folks it is great to be back it is tuesday evening going into wednesday morning i decided to take yesterday off that was monday and the reason i did that folks is i just have so much stuff to finish doing for christmas i'm baking loaves of bread for some baskets my wife and I are putting together for some local friends of ours. And so we got a bunch of jams and jellies from Farmer Carol over at Sycamore Spring Farm. And so I'm putting bread in there. And then Maggie and her mom, visiting here from Poland, they baked a bunch of homemade Christmas cookies using a Polish dough yesterday. And they were icing them today, and they look fantastic. I mean, honestly, they look beautiful. So those are going to be in there in the basket. We're going to put some Polish candies in there. So I'm trying to get that done. On top of it, you know, it's Willie's first Christmas. He won't remember it. So I got him a few things. Maggie got him a few things. So I've been getting those wrapped up. And then for my family... I mentioned this before, but everyone wanted to take pictures with Willie when they saw him over Thanksgiving, so I had to get that stuff printed up, and nowadays it's not so easy to go get photos printed. Uh, You can get them printed online at Shutterfly and such, but then they showed up screwed up, folks, like our Christmas card. Uh, you know, a half inch was cut off on the left side and it went right into the Merry Christmas graphic. So I decided, let me complain to Shutterfly. I did. And so Shutterfly is giving us 50 free cards next year because they were going to replace them. But by the time I got them, they wouldn't be here till Friday. And I had to sit around on Sunday and yesterday and finish up the Christmas cards, which is part of why I took yesterday off because I ended up at the post office for two hours trying to ship a couple of boxes and 50 cards i mean it was nuts ladies and gentlemen nuts so i ended up running around and walgreens printing uh service was uh it's gone cvs theirs was broken i finally went over to walmart i used to use costco for many years but costco doesn't do photo printing anymore and there's no more private independently owned photo printing shops around this area so what a mess that was folks so anyway i had to get that stuff printed and then i bought some nice frames at 
home goods kind of matching the different style of people's homes you know willie's grandma grandpa stuff like that and so i've been framing that stuff up and then i've been working on this beautiful collage for maggie that actually documents from the moment i bought the pregnancy test at the store in mid-february to uh yesterday so it's got all these different photos so i think i'm safe because staples could print that poster up and i have a big nice frame for it and so uh that's maggie's kind of big gift it took me a lot of time i probably got 15 hours into editing that together but it's really nice and obviously one day willie will probably take it so it was worth the time to do and i got to go through all these photos of everything maggie and i've done over the last year while we were walking around with willie still in her tummy and it was bringing tears to my eyes because i forgot about everything we did in poland and on easter when we went to visit my father and the baby shower all these different things we did this past year so it was great folks so i had to take yesterday off and it was coming off a big show we did on sunday night with dan Golvach, episode 115 three-hour interview folks people have been reaching out on twitter on pain.tv slash gold via email over goldenpain.tv thanking me for the interview now dan Golvach has been on a couple of times before we recorded episode 115 but 115 i guess people really liked it uh we talked about the dark underbelly that drives the technocrats the transhumanists the central bank mafia these economic terrorists all these folks and then we talked about the light we talked about god i I mentioned spirituality and stuff here a little bit but i don't really want to push religion on people although moving forward i think because of the birth of our son and i think because the more i research and the darker all of this seems to be and in my mind i'm starting to realize that what's coming is inevitable because there's no one really fighting back and the biggest pushback we're going to be able to make is in our own personal lives and that's preparing for it prepping for it insulating ourselves from it separating ourselves from densely populated areas starting to congregate with like-minded folks i think that's the realistic solution as of right now for me anyway and so as i start to realize the more i research and i've only covered so much here folks eventually you'll see it gets darker and darker is that i've got to introduce some light to this so i am going to try to bring dan on regularly um as long as his schedule permits to have these type of discussions because i've known dan going back to 2018 i believe and him and i text back and forth a lot uh over the years not not just on politics and on technocracy he was there for me when i was going through my divorce he was there as a friend when i met maggie he was there last christmas when maggie and i met up with him and had dinner you know he's been there throughout my life and dan is a big believer in god in christ and that is what has helped him get through the unfortunate and despicable murder of his son spencer and so i've kind of looked at dan as a spiritual guide for me over the years whether he knows that or not uh i don't know i think i might have called him once or twice with a few drinks in me 
uh, back when I used to drink, before I met Maggie, when I was going through my divorce and shared those thoughts with Dan. So I think he knows. I, I, I really love him. I think he's a fantastic person. And so I think we're going to bring him on on a more regular basis to talk about spirituality and be able to connect what's going on with the technocrats and the transhumanists into uh, the darkness, uh, the dark side of spirituality that they practice, and then, you know, more about the light that we have to align with. I'm not going to turn this into a uh, religious program, but I think we need a little bit of that hope. I talk about how this is a war on humanity, and once you remove God, Mother Nature, the Creator, the natural world from the equation, it allows the technocrats and the transhumanists to push uh, their agenda into place. So if I'm going to talk about it and mention that, I might as well start to have more discussions on the topic. And that's fine with me. I I think it's important. And so hopefully you guys will uh, find that interesting as well ladies and gentlemen so i hope everyone is uh, having a wonderful christmas season so far dan said it's stress miss that's how he looks at it because you're scrounging together money for presents at the same time starting to figure out how much money you're gonna have to spend next year in taxes when you owe the tax man especially if you work for yourself so i get it it is stressful but it should be joyous it should be about family so we're gonna try to bring a smile to as many people's faces as possible here in our personal life. So I hope you do that as well. I hope you have a great time. As I've said before, whether you want to spend that with family or friends or you're someone who just wants to be alone, whatever it is, put a smile on your face. I hope you're happy this Christmas season, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope you all have a wonderful 2023. I know it seems like it's going to be difficult. I know a lot of this stuff is coming our way. I know the future looks bleak, but you should focus on writing down your goals. Your goals for the new year should be to have your goals in place. Now that you know what's coming, if you've listened to all 116 episodes here at the Dust and Gold Standard, and your goals should be big. Start to think about what you want to do. Are you going to hunker down where you are and try to resist as much as possible? Are you going to try to flee to a homestead? Are you going to try to get a group of people together and build a community? Are you going to start to find organic food sources from local farmers, uh, people that raise cattle, butchers, and such? Are you going to start to move your investments, if you have any, around and put them into um into different places than they are now maybe pull it out of wall street maybe move it out of your 401k your ira you're going to do all these types of things and so i think that's the plan i think 2023 we have to be ready because as we inch closer to 25 and to 30 we're going to see more of the plans of the technocrats come into fruition they have these goals in place they probably will reach the majority of their goals and so we have to figure out what we're going to do in our little lives to resist as much as possible and to insulate ourselves from what is to come so we're going to talk a lot about that as we move into 2023 and try to help people guide themselves towards better solutions towards the goals that they create 
All right, folks, I talked to Wide Awake Jim, not on the phone. We went back and forth with text. He finished sending me the rest of his documents, and I think he's going to come on next week. We're going to start to lay down these interviews between Christmas and New Year's, since it'll be slow for most people, and we are going to start putting that stuff together and getting it out to you. We're going to tie in everything he has with everything we covered between episodes like 96 and 115, really, with Dan. And we're going to show you the rest of what what comes with central bank digital currency and start to make predictions on the rollout of that so you can start to prepare. What I am going to do tonight here, folks, in episode 116, is we're going to start working on Saul Alinsky. I was going to hold off for about another 25 episodes, but since we brought up Saul Linsky in the interview with Dan Golvach, he came up a couple of times, I decided that I want to bring Alinsky in during this Christmas season, ladies and gentlemen, because Alinsky was such a joyous figure. No, he actually was not. But um, I had mentioned with Dan, I studied Saul Alinsky going back, I think it was 2011, 2012. And I had watched every video, interview, documentary on Alinsky that I could get my hands on. I read his uh, two famous books, Reveille for Radicals and Rules for Radicals. I studied his tactics. I actually was working on packaging up Alinsky tactics and was trying to convince Republican town committees, as naive as I was, Republican town committees in the state of Connecticut as well Uh, As in uh, other places where I was speaking at the time, I used to speak at some groups in New York City and such to start to use Alinsky tactics to push forward conservative values. Of course, back then, I was not as nuanced as I am today. I didn't fully understand uh, what I was doing. I didn't understand what the world actually uh, looked like. I, did, I didn't have as well-rounded view as I do today. And so I want to look at Alinsky through new eyes. Uh, now that I've been studying technocracy and transhumanism more, now that we've gone back to the progressive era of the late 1800s and we've looked at eugenics, we're starting to look at the formation of the Federal Reserve banking system all in and around eugenics and technocracy. I want to restudy Saul Alinsky because he is a very interesting character. I hated him at the time I was studying him, but there was something about him Uh, that drew me in. As weird as he is, as creepy as he is, something drew me in. And so I want to look at Alinsky through a new lens. Uh, And I want to break down everything right here on the Dust and Gold Standard. Last night, I started actually pulling up some articles and videos and trying to refresh myself on Alinsky. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to do this over three or four episodes because I spent probably three, four months of my life going back almost 10 years ago, probably 10 years ago, uh, studying Alinsky that I might as well share that research with you folks. And let's start to look at him because there were people talking about back in the days of Saul Alinsky that he was actually against the technocracy, yet he was also at the same time accused of being a communist. And then most people's view of Alinsky, if you're aware of him today, came from either 2008 
uh, presidential campaign of Barack Obama, his ties to Hillary Clinton. And so a lot of people were introduced to Alinsky through that way. Glenn Beck used to talk about Saul Alinsky. And when I dug into him back then, I said, there's so much more to this guy. Now, do I think at the end of the day that Alinsky was a net plus or a net minus on society and culture? He would be a net minus in my view, starting where we are right now. But let's see if our opinion or my opinion changes on Saul Alinsky as we go further into this analysis on the life and the work of Saul Alinsky. I think it's going to be a very interesting series. And I did not bullet point this out. I did not plan this out. I'm going to go where the information takes us on this one. This is going to be sort of a real-time research project on Saul Alinsky, and we're going to learn about him, his message. We're going to make a decision if we think he was really doing this for good or he was doing it for evil. And then we're going to look at if he thinks he was doing it for good, where his where he was wrong, where he was actually pulled towards darkness instead of pulled towards light. So when I get back, ladies and gentlemen, let's start with the rules for radicals, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's just um, let's just look at Wikipedia quick, give a quick background. I, I would assume, I would assume the majority of you listening to this show probably have been focused on politics, at least going back to 2015, the run of Donald Trump for president. And some of you I know go all the way back to the Glenn Beck days when he was on Fox. Even before that, he was on HLN News. I mean, maybe you were watching The Blaze, Glenn Beck TV. Maybe some of you are new to all of this. So I have to go back a little bit and pretend you know nothing about Saul Linsky. So let's just give you the Wikipedia biography on Saul Linsky, and we're going to look at the 13 rules uh, from his book, Rules for Radicals. We're going to start there, and then I'm going to introduce you to an article from 2012, basically how I was introduced to Saul Linsky, and from there, we're going to branch out all over the place. I have a video queued up here called I Would uh, Organize Hell. It was an interview with Saul Linsky. It's a good introduction to his personality. And we're going to eventually work our way into analyzing this Canadian Film Board documentary series that followed around Saul Linsky. Because I want to show you how he interacted with young folks and disenfranchised folks and people that were feeling very weak at the time and how, in my eyes, at least the way I saw it years ago when I analyzed it for the first time on another podcast, I saw him as being very manipulative. And so, again, I, I want to look at this through a new lens. I'm doing some research into Alinsky's connections. Was he tied into any of the technocrats? Was he tied into to 
any of the uh, people connected to the transhumanist movement. So I'm looking at this again through a new lens now, and I want to figure out where he fits in, what part he played, and what we're dealing with today in the present, okay, and what we are looking at in the future and see if Saul Linsky unlocks any mysteries for us. All right, so it says here, Saul David Alinsky. He was born January 30th, 1909, and he died June 12th, 1972. He was an American community activist and political theorist. His work through the Chicago-based Industrial Areas Foundation, helping poor communities organize to press demands upon landlords, politicians, bankers, and business leaders, won him national recognition and notoriety. Responding to the impatience of a new left generation of activists in the 1960s, in his widely cited Rules for Radicals, a pragmatic primer, written in 1971, which was a year before he died, Alinsky defended the arts both of confrontation and of compromise involved in community organizing as keys to the struggle for social justice. Now, one of the things you're definitely going to see, and I'm going to point this out many times throughout this series, is he is very hypocritical. There are things he will say in one sentence, and then the next sentence will actually contradict himself. Almost like Donald Trump, right? Sololinsky is a horrible guy, one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. So great, so soft-spoken, so brash, and so stupid. I mean, so you'll see this in Alinsky. And sometimes it makes me wonder, was Alinsky just an opportunist? He was connected to the Chicago mob. You'll see that in the research we do. Was he an opportunist? Was he a criminal? Was he promising people things Uh, the poor folks that he claimed to be helping. Was he just preying on them? Was he an opportunist? Or did he serve a larger purpose? Was there any good that Saul Linsky did? Or was it all bad? I will show you that he has infected generation upon generation of folks with his ideology. And one of the ideologies we're going to focus on is this uh, political theory of progressivism in which there's really no end goal. It's just a constant struggle. And what happens when there is no goal, eventually society ends up eating itself alive. The uh, leftist movement that he claimed to be leading ends up eating itself alive. It creates chaos. And from chaos, obviously comes order and from order you generally have the rise of some sort of a totalitarian state or a dictatorial figure so did Alinsky serve that purpose i i think it's very important to talk about this right now because i don't know about 20 25 episodes ago we were covering howard scott the founder of technocracy incorporated coming out of the 1920s and 1930s and howard scott is sort of this mysterious character who pops onto the scene And the next thing you know, he's leading the blueprinting of the technocracy that we see in the works today. And Alinsky uh, is similar to that. Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, actually pointed that out to me when I was doing the Howard Scott series. She said, wow, who was running Howard Scott? You know, who was running Saul Alinsky? She said, you studied Alinsky 
uh, in depth in the past, you know, are there any connections to the type of people behind them? So we're going to eventually look at this. I mean, if he was just an opportunist, I don't know how he lasted so long. I think the powers of be would have shut him down. So he must have served a larger purpose. And so we're going to hopefully get to that in the research that we do here. Let's continue. It says, beginning in the 1990s, Alinsky's reputation was reviewed by commentators on the political right as a source of tactical inspiration for the Republican Tea Party movement and subsequently by virtue of indirect associations with both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama as the alleged source of a radical democratic political agenda. While criticized on the political left for an aversion to broad ideological goals, Alinsky has been identified as an inspiration for the Occupy movement and campaigns for climate change. Okay, so remember, when I studied Alinsky before, I was looking at him through the lens of conservatism. I was a devout conservative. I thought I was what you know, some would call a constitutional conservative and saw Alinsky as someone who helped to destroy the culture here in the United States. Now, if that is all he did and that was his purpose or why he was allowed to exist and gain so much notoriety in the press back then, that makes a lot of sense because you had to destroy American culture, the traditional family, all of these things in order to get to where we are today. Right, in order to accept the culture of technocracy and this exponential growth of technology into our lives. You had to destroy culture and traditional values in order to do that. We'll eventually go back, uh, many of you may have studied this, but we're eventually going to look at the Frankfurt School and cultural Marxism again. A lot of this we have to recover uh, because it'll show us how we got to where we are today. You can't just usher in full-blown police state, prison planet, matrix technocracy without destroying the culture first. So if that's all Alinsky did, if that was his only purpose, then that would make a lot of sense. And that may be the conclusion that we reach. All right, let me just give you a little bit on his childhood. Saul Alinsky was born in 1909 in Chicago, Illinois, to Russian Jewish immigrant parents. The only surviving son of Benjamin Alinsky's marriage to his second wife, Sarah Tannenbaum Alinsky. His father started out as a tailor, then ran a delicatessen and a cleaning shop. Both parents were strict Orthodox. Alinsky describes himself as being devout until the age of 12, the point at which he began to fear his parents would force him to become a rabbi. Although he had, quote, not personally, end quote, encountered, quote, much anti-Semitism as a child, end quote, Alinsky recalled that it, quote, was so pervasive, you just accepted it as a fact of life, end quote. Called up for retaliating against some Polish boys, Alinsky acknowledged one rabbinical lesson that, quote, sank home, end quote. Quote, it's the American way. Um, Old Testament, they beat us up, so we beat the hell out of them. That's what everybody does, end quote. The rabbi looked at him for a moment and said quietly, quote, you think you're a man because you do what everybody else does, but I want to tell you something great, where there are no men, be thou a man, end quote. Alinsky considered himself an agnostic, but when asked about his religion, would, quote, always say Jewish, end quote. 
All right, so you'll see that in some of the interviews as well. Alinsky talks about some of this, and you have to put it in context because these interviews uh, range from like the 1950s, 60s, uh, early 70s. Let's look at his college studies. It says in 1926, and we're just laying the foundation here. So as I start to read uh, from some passages of his books and talk about some specific uh, organizing activities he was involved with, you will be able to... uh, to have an understanding of who we're talking about, where this guy came from. And and I will say back in, okay, I actually studied Alinsky. Now it's coming to me. I studied him probably in 2007 because I utilized some of his tactics when I was organizing the union, the trade union at Yale University to fight back against illegal immigration in the city of New Haven. This is actually when I started studying him, and then he came up and was more widely known in 2007 and 8 with his ties to Barack Obama and the Barack Obama presidential race. Okay, so it, it was interesting because I had started studying him as someone who was a conservative, and I was studying his tactics because I used to try to tell Republican town committees and conservatives as a young person at 27, 28, I was willing to fight. I looked at the other side, the Democrats, the left at the time, as communists and believed they were trying to destroy my country. I looked at them as wanting open borders. I was totally into the WWE wrestling, but I believed that they were my enemy. And so all Uh, means would justify my ends and my ends were to win and to stop everything that i believed that they were doing that was unconstitutional and against our values and our morals our principles and laws here in the united states so i was willing to use uh, extremist tactics even taken from alinsky on the left in order to defeat them because i knew that they were using them against us ladies and gentlemen all right when i get back let's get into his college studies and then i'm going to go over his 13 rules and then we'll start to go in some different directions here ladies and gentlemen we dissect the very complicated the very colorful character saul alinsky my name is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 